if you've ever listened to a podcast or read one of my books and thought, I wish I knew if that was the right thing for my body, or how could I make that work with my schedule and responsibilities, I've got something for you. A new workbook by me coming out late spring. My Perfect Movement Plan, the Move Your DNA all-day workbook, is for your specific situation because you are going to finish writing it. When you're finished, you will have a guide to a personalized movement diet that nourishes your body in the ways that you need it to. My Perfect Movement Plan is available for pre-order now, and if you pre-order from the publisher, there's a bonus, a free ticket to an upcoming online workshop, Spot the Missing Micronutrients. It's a 90-minute class where you'll learn about five often missing movement micronutrients, and these are subtle movements of the body. In this case, we'll be looking in the shoulders and the hips and the feet that are often tied to pain or injury in those areas. In this workshop, I'll also show you how to supplement with exercise vitamins. I'm putting air quotes around vitamins and how to adjust your regular movement so exercise supplementation isn't as necessary. Pre-order now at mpmpbook.com. That's my perfect movement plan, mpmpbook.com. And you'll automatically receive a bonus class ticket. But wait, there's more. Um, I'm going to be drawing three names from these pre-orders and these peeps are going to get a small group session with me to go over your perfect movement plan. So you can ask me questions and we'll brainstorm your specific situation on a Zoom call together. I cannot wait. So head over to mpmpbook.com for all the details on the book and the bonuses. Read through the frequently asked questions, order the book, get the class, and then get moving. I'm so excited to share this workbook. It's the missing puzzle piece you've been waiting for, and it's so very actionable. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Paper. It sounds like you were cutting. <laughs> I just, just lifting paper. Oh God. Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast, where Danny Hemmett, that's you. That's me. And Katie Bowman, that's me. Talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie Bowman, also known as K-Bo. <laughs> Did I tell you that for Christmas I got an embroidered belt with Cabo on the back of it from Ooh, our friend Debbie at Positively oh, Line? That I should is take awesome. a picture. It's it's really it's it's the old chain stitch like on the back of the yeah. Western shirts. Ooh. That's pretty it's awesome. A, and it's California poppies Aww. around it for my Californianess. It's it's beautiful. I should take a picture of it. It's it's spectacular. She's, anyway. She's got about eight thousand pounds of thoughtfulness in her, doesn't she? Yes, and also about 10,000 pounds of DIY. Like, she, she does everything herself. She's, it's like, she made this podcast by hand. She just know, wove she it did. together with, with some, like, post-it She, she like, eats Pinterest for breakfast. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, back to what I was saying. I am Katie Bowman, a biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA, and you are who? I'm Danny. I'm Danny Hemmett without a belt, and I am a chronically <laughs> curious movement teacher, Old beltless Hemet. Yes. <laughs> Long time no talk. And yeah. what we should do is roll it out with mailbag. We're going to do mailbag. Everybody yeah. loves the mailbag. Are you ready? Because really, this is all on you. You have to answer all these. I just get to I read am. them. <laughs> well, you think. You think. Uh, you have no idea. I could be throwing things back at you. But yes, you I am ready for... I was talking to a couple of people. They're like, I love the mailbags. And I'm like, Really? So, yeah, so let's do some. You get to pick the questions. You don't know the power that you have. If anyone wants to know, you have to appeal, like, attach, like, you're appealing to Danny as That's she true. the questions. <laughs> so, throw in some puns and, like, you're for sure going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty easy that way. All right, let's get going. This one is from Sarah from Portland, which, Portland. I recently met a woman who, upon learning that I was studying restorative exercise, told me that she has always been very inflexible. Even as a child, when other kids were measuring their sit and stretch, she would be in tears trying to get into an upright mm. sitting position. So it made me wonder, 
How much can our potential range of flexibility be influenced by genetics or maybe womb environment? Mm -hmm. I'm going to read all these, okay? There's tons, because it's kind of a big question. Is it possible that the length and or geometry of your bones can cause significant limitations to a person's range of motion? Or are most of the body parts involved in natural movements like squatting and hanging malleable to a point where one could expect to eventually accomplish those types of movements fully with the right changes to lifestyle and movement habits and barring any barriers such as traumas and rare deformities? Well, okay, that's only two questions. So that's, and and I mean, and the answer to both of them is, I don't know. So this is going to be an easy <laughs> question for me. I I do think, I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, that word always, I've always been, you are going to begin perceiving how you always have been at a particular age. It's probably after a very robust developmental phase, right? Like you're not going to be like on, it's been like this since like the first day I was born, you know, or like, you know, your hand, like you don't know your hamstring, you're not aware of your hamstring mobility probably until a couple years in. And there can be a lot of environmental impacts, you know, like, this is like a, a big a tangent, but I once read a thing like, and I probably have said this before. Did I ever say this? Like, if you're going to go to Peru, like there was a whole le- article. It's like, if you're going to go to Peru, do not even think about going less than 30 days. But if you are going to go less than 30 days, like, do not even think about going less than two weeks. And it just kept going oh my back gosh. to like, do not even think about going less than three days. And then it would like put like the things that you were supposed to do. So like, you could say that like what's the most what's the most important or influential developmental phase it's probably going to be equally all of them it just depends on where you're going to look so what happens in those first few years before you're perceiving like how you've always been i would say is also impacting you tremendously mm. and then of course i do think that they, that you're coming with uh i mean you could you could be having range of motion issues that are absolutely influenced by your in utero environment, whatever that is, whether it's mechanical or also nutritional. I mean, like we're like our behaviors right now as humans are totally outlying behaviors compared to all other humans, you know, on a particular timeline. So we're, we're just dealing with a bunch of stuff that we don't know anything about. So I would say that, sure. I only have, like, as far as seeing someone every single day and monitoring their development, I only have my kids to monitor. And I can, my, uh, one of my children is, has way less hamstring mobility than my other child, but they also have extremely different positional habits. And so I don't know which one came first? Was it their immobility that they came out? I mean, because like right. I measured everyone's joint range of motion, that their joint ranges of motion seem to be about the same, but they have preferences with with the way that they take that they use their body. And I don't know how much of how they use their body is mimicry. You know, like you know, if my son is really having similar tension patterns to my husband, is it because they are standing similarly, like how much do anthropometric dimensions influence particular things? That all being said, I think that you wouldn't automatically be, you know, like in a natural environment, beginning humans that were incapable of physical feats that kind of seems like sort of baseline, like not having enough mobility to drop into a squat even though you've perceived that you've always been like very, very tight. I don't, it's my, I mean, it'd be my opinion that I don't think that you would have humans coming out that couldn't like go to the bathroom in a natural voiding position that would be more suited for a chair, Okay, you know, at the scale. So, I mean, I think it's, it can be a little bit of all those things. Now, the second part of the question would be, I'm going to, I'm going to try to recall it in a in a simple form can we expect so her other question was are the body parts i mean she's saying are the body parts involved in natural movements malleable i mean all your body parts are malleable what makes the effects though that you see the adaptations have 
everything to do with frequency and abundance of movement. And I've been, you know, I've been on Instagram a lot this morning responding. I don't always have a lot of time to respond, but this, because I, we're in April right now, I'm not right. sure when this podcast will go out. There's a lot of foot. I'm doing a lot of feet. I, I just love feet. People love feet. They're like, I can really like, my, everyone's feet are like uncharted territory. So it's like a whole new world in their shoes. So like, there's a lot of interest more so than feet, like, than like squats. Like I don't get a lot of shoulder questions as much as I get about shoes and feet and texture. And, oh, that's and terrain. Awesome. Like, yeah. So, it, so I've been answering a lot of questions and, you know, people keep saying things like I get adequate movement. And I was like, your understanding of what adequate movement is, is different than maybe what my understanding of adequate movement is. Like we define, I'm getting plenty of exercise. I'm getting plenty of movement. And these ideas of what constitutes enough that you should be adapting to, um, I think might be skewed because of our understanding of movement entirely as exercise. So if you do something for like an hour or two hours a day, you're like, that's plenty or a lot to you. But if you don't recognize that the two hours of movement is also 22 hours of not movement, then right. then the math, then the math changes a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think the bigger question, maybe I'm going to assume is, am I just so tight you know, genetically or so early on established that these movements will never be available to me. And that could be the case, but the way that I frame it is what is available to you is so great that I don't think you have to worry about like the end goals of like, when will I be able to like walk 40 miles or when will I be able to like whatever big thing you have in your mind that you feel your body is really entirely unsuited for in a in a permanent way then just scale back what you're shooting for and ramp up how much movements and like the breadth of movements that you're doing to try to accomplish that and see if you can't make headway that way because i think i think our minds probably limit our progress more so than our bodies do indeed and, and so like if you can just if 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 you feel like that your mind like th- that this understanding of like I've always been tight I'm never going to be able to you know uh, with mobility it's kind of interesting because I think this is one of the we talked about this on a show, on a couple shows ago which is when you set up the goal to be touching your toes you know, where, where the, where the goal is like the mobility, the mobility itself, rather than a larger feat, if you will, or, or, you know, or referring back to looking at how your overall health is doing, then when we can't do it, and, and we just can't keep seeing the thing that we can't do, it kind of prevents us from from approaching, from trying different approaches, right? Rather than just doing, I've done this ham, I do this hamstring stretch every day for 30 minutes. Like, well, but the hamstring stretches is one of 700 recommendations. How often are you approaching your hamstring length through hiking 27 miles? Or, you know, like there are, there are so many other, like they're all feeding into each other. So I guess that would be my overall, those are my overall thoughts when I hear a question like this. But I, I do think, that you could have a structure that right now, I think a lot of us, our structure is unsuited for and has been unsuited for a particular type. Like I'm unsuited for a marathon right now. And I've been unsuited for a marathon (laughs) almost every single day of my life. But is that, it's just because, you know, if I grew up in a different place where I was surrounded by people who ran long distance and was at a particular altitude, I would be better suited for it. So I I just think, I think that there are a lot of natural movements. Again, we've talked about natural movements being something that perhaps there's a range of what movements through like your different phases of life, like what movements are available and should be available to you. If you can just, if you can find what you feel like you might be suited for, look at the things you feel entirely unsuited for and scale back, you know, like your goal a little bit. Like, is there a portion of that big thing that you want to do that you could approach and then increase the frequency and the breadth 
of how you're trying to get there, I think that you would feel more successful and thus end up moving more. Yes. And you're talking about the word, word always brought to mind a quote that I heard a few months ago and I really like, and it was, argue for your limitations and you get to keep them. When you're using, you know, when you're coming from that oh, approach of always, always, them. always, well, yeah. I guess that's that's what it's going to be. Well, and I think that there's definitely there's definitely an element of that, like in like in all of us for different things. But then there's also, I think, the very like it's a good question to ask too. Like, is there a point at which right. this would you know, like, is this completely a futile path? And so my biggest answer is nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, if you put an artificial hip in there, then you can test the range of motion of that hip. Then you know what's possible and what's not possible. But the the fact of the matter is we have very little data and understanding about this type of movement that we're talking about and how to and, and what happens to a body because of the culture that it's immersed in. We're at like day one of what could be hundreds of years of investigation if we're lucky. So it's all it's all available right now. So good questions. And then just just watch, you know, your I have to personally watch when questions like this are for the for me desiring to actually know and also as mechanisms for me to not take action. So you just have to know yourself well enough to know why am I asking this question? Why am I, why am I, why, you know, and this is not anything about um, Sarah from Portland. I thought it was cute. that Why did you laugh at Portland? What's up with Portland? Portland, you're going to Portland. Oh, okay. That's why I saw it because I'm going. Um, that, so maybe I'll Sarah, maybe we'll see you there. Um, that, that oftentimes I find question asking, including like doing my work of investigation to simply be my mechanism of staying sedentary. Like it's so ingrained in me that I don't see that as my justification of not moving. Like, well, I have well, to that's know. Crazy. Like, I ha- that's crazy. That's awesome. And yeah. And that's, I explained that in Movement Matters a few times where like, I recognize that my inquisitive mind, you could also see that as my most ingrained habit for not taking care of myself, meaning I've outsourced my movement, et cetera, so that I can do my, my, what I'm perceiving as an important job of of finding out (laughs) another fact. And so I've had to stop like part of this big retreat that I'm doing, which we'll talk about, you know, like from social media and, you know, even book writing, which I swear I'm really trying to do is is to look smack in the face my outsourcing privilege. That's awesome. And to stop doing did, it. Did so. you ever have a substitute teacher in elementary school and and the whole class yes. would ask her totally inane questions just to keep from doing the work that the real teacher had left for them? They would just ask. I mean, our, our whole class was in on it. And that kind of reminds me of you you know, asking questions to sit still. We didn't want to do the work that we were supposed to do. We just ask her really inane questions and keep her tied up in knots with that. So, well, there's definitely when I'm you're sorry, doing it on Mrs. Purpose. Miller. <laughs> no. And I, my kids will do that to keep from going to bed. Right. Oh, oh, I, I just like, and like, uh, can you explain like, you know, like they're just, it's just, and a, it's I a, love a, how a you're delay. doing a Diane Fossey on your kids, you know, <laughs> I know totally doing it, <laughs> but the- you know, but to do Diane Fossey on yourself, that's, yeah, that's, that's a bit the harder. hardest yeah. part. Yeah. All so right. I was like, oh, I got it. All right. Okay. So this one is from Rich from New Zealand. Hi, Rich. Hi, Rich. I see you. Hi, <laughs> Katie. Love your work. Over the years, I've noticed some people have been taught in Pilates to posteriorly tuck their pelvis when doing some floor exercises. And then he refers to an article from a gymnastics bodies coach where the coach explains that doing a plank should be done by tucking the pelvis. What are your thoughts on when this might be appropriate, if at all, to maintain strength and stability in the spine? Oh, that's a hard question. One of the reasons I'm finding, you know, in a different time, I think I would have spat out an answer for this, but... Um, Don't do my, that. <laughs> I would have That's just like gross. blurted out an answer. Spat. Um, <laughs> now my question is, what are you doing a plank for? Like, what's the purpose of a plank? So I guess anytime you have a question about any exercise, the answer has to revert back to 
why are you personally doing the exercise? Because I would argue that not everyone is doing, quote, a plank for the same reason. I will say that, you know, were all your hinges fairly loose and mobile, when you would do a plank, that the the weight of the pelvis would relax would relax it so that it would tuck that you that you would experience you know to to maintain quote a neutral pelvis in a plank position would require that you actively anteriorly tilt so that you you are firing that um firing those muscles be it like you know your erector spinae or your quadratus lumborum or however else between your pelvis and your thigh, you know, your hip flexors, so that you basically maintain a standing position, but in a plank position, in which case, if you do that, you would be training a particular tension down your lower back. So that, this is why I'm Mm. trying to shift out of the exercise paradigm altogether, because I think What's happened is it's our sedentary nature to keep refer to try to find the best alt- optimal static positioning for every single position, right? So like the idea mm-hmm. of alignment that most people have grasped is not the best way to move through life, including like what terrain or or not necessarily the best way, what what are the outcomes that come from how you are moving all of the time through all the terrain, considering all the variables, but what's the best way to position my body for this exercise? Rather than, like, you have to refer back to, are you cutting paper? It sounds like you were cutting. <laughs> You're just like, I'm oh, just lifting sh- paper. Oh, God. <laughs> just cutting out shapes over there. Be like, I can't wait. I'm making paper chains. <laughs> wow. Wow. She's like, like, oh, this is taking for, I'm going to do, I'm going to multitask. <laughs> That, that again, that question just refers back to like the gymnastics body coach might have a very specific reason of why they want the pelvis in this particular reason, because it's going to refer back later to some gymnastics feet Mm. that if you are to do it requires this position where oftentimes like I will use not the plank, but a, a similar type of exercise to see if people can get up off of the floor without tensing their lower back, if they're able to use other muscle groups, in which case I would say your lower back should not change position. So I think the answer is that it all depends on what that exercise is ultimately being used for and what type of larger system and and end goals it's integrating into. And that's where we are lost right now is Many of us are exercising simply for the sake of exercising it. We're not relating it back to what our larger objectives are about how we want our body to be now in the future. You know, so like that that lack of knowing why we're moving, besides the fact that other people have told us that we have to, I think that's the biggest issue. So in mm. in my next book that I will not that I actually pushed back for another year. I think oh. you and everyone will be happy to know that I've given myself an extra year to rest <sighs> is really to say, you know what, your movement program starts with a list of reasons why you are doing it. Because without that, there is very it's very difficult to answer any of these questions. Mm. Because because you're the reason you move is up to you. You get to pick. But if you haven't picked yet, then you could be following a movement program that isn't taking you to where you want to be going. So that's going to be my recommendations for the future. But you have to wait a while because that's okay. <laughs> we're we're cool with waiting. Just we're take okay. a break for goodness' sake. Okay. Thanks, Rich. And I'm coming to New Zealand. I'll see you soon. Oh, lucky you. Okay. This one, this is like guy day at the, at the mailbag. Huh. There's like, there's like two, there's like two there's, guys in it. We're like, it's guy no, day. It's guy day. There's not 40 questions. You don't get many guy questions. All right. I love this question. You may not even answer this, but I don't care. Cause I just want to say it. It's awesome. So Jim asks, could you please tie movement to rhythm in the body? As we move this say walking, We create a rhythmic movement, and it seems to help regulate emotions and possibly impact the natural rhythms of the body. One such example could be circadian rhythms. 
Tai Chi, yoga, dance, etc. seem to have a regulating effect on the deeper rhythms in the body. Do you see movement in general as possibly impacting the mini rhythms of our bodies? And go. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I do. I mean, like, I think the most, probably the most general way that I've talked about this, again, usually reverts back to, I think it's in one of my, like, like a parenting course, not a parenting course, but like a, a little baby kid movement, which is, I mean, I just think of, the, the example that I've fleshed out a couple of times is like you have this baby and it's crying and we all kind of culturally understand that when you have a baby that's that's, you know, melting down or whatever, that you pick it up and you bounce it. Right. Like you're like and you're trying to create a pleasing rhythm. So like you're mm. standing there, it's it's one in the morning and, like, and you're like bouncing the baby bounce and, and like or you get in the car. Right. To create like a like a like a, a higher frequency movement or you put it in a chair that swings it or you put it in a in a a vibrating chair that vibrates it and if you you could say that it's a lot of things but you could also say in all those scenarios you are putting movement into a still child a child that has like in the same way that you would be putting food into a child that was hungry you took a you took a child that was perhaps we could we could say that we could I don't, it's hard to say if it's undermoved or not relative though to all humans really before it it's significantly undermoved like we live in the equivalent right now of a movement drought right so if we were used to getting movement in the same way that you and I are used to getting water imagine imagine the discomfort you would feel if someone removed food or water from you that's what we've done with movement from our own mm. bodies so so we put in movement but then I'll say like you know, if you had just carried that baby, uh, you know, and that baby had been with you moving for seven or eight hours because you were moving from point A to point B, that that there would have been like there, a soothing, like we, it's kind of hard, like we call it soothing. So much of it is about the words and the way that we understand what's happening. We think that I'm bouncing to soothe the baby, but if you feed the baby, are you really soothing the baby or are you just meeting its basic needs like you're squelching its signals so i would say that maybe we don't think about that movement soothes the baby as much as that baby was starving for movement and we just fed it in that moment when the signals were disrupting its ability to carry on right and it was letting us know like i can't carry on right now i need some input here and so (laughs) and then and then so like so now we have a circadian rhythm how much of like the problems that we have sleeping or whatnot come with the fact that we ourselves are in a movement drought? Like how many, like how is our hunger regulated by how much we move or don't move? And so like when I think of rhythms, I'm going to think of like, and this might be different than how Jim is thinking about it, but I think about our emotions and the distribution of our behaviors as having rhythms to it, whether it's seasonal, whether it's like over the period of a day. So I think so much of what we're talking about, of what I've talked about, is how movement or lack thereof, it like that the disruption of rhythms or or you know feelings or whatever emotions that we have, before we start trying to figure out what the problem is, we can look at like, oh, like the big elephant in the room is again, like we said, we are in the equivalent of a of a drought as far as movement goes. So it's very hard. You you have to delineate between what is a problem. I'm doing air quotes if you can't hear it in my <laughs> voice. A problem and what is a, an expected symptom from a drought. You know, so you have to kind of go back right. and look at okay, well, what does water do? Like what I expect to wake up in the middle of the night and want a drink of water if I was thirsty, you know, and instead of going, my kid has a problem sleeping, it's like, well, maybe like, would we call that the problem or would we call, you know, these other things, the issue? So I, it's hard to say what it is, but I'm saying like, we need to even start, we have to start with asking those questions first Uh before we can go into the next step. So Jim, yes, I would say that movement is, uh, how could you separate rhythm from movement? You know what I mean? It's, it's the, the rhythm, it's a rhythm of life. That was an awesome answer. I'm just going to 
I'm going to drop the mic for you. Let's just stop. Oh, come on. Boom. Okay. Speaking of needing movement input and needing to be soothed (laughs) with movement, here's a travel question from Emily. And Emily writes, oh, and it's to both of us. Oh, look at that. Thank you, Emily. Emily knows how to get in. (laughs) All right, Emily. Hi, Katie and Danny. I have a question about travel. I like to travel, but don't enjoy flying because I can't stand sitting still and feeling confined for hours. I'm wondering how the two of you approach air travel. Do you bookend your travel time with plenty of movement to offset the lack of movement that comes with being on an airplane? Or do you have any other tricks that you can share? You want to do yours first? You travel? You Uh, fly a lot? Yes. And, well, not tons, not as much as you do, but enough. (laughs) And usually longer trips, like, you know, over continents and stuff like that. And I always try and start the morning, no matter how early the flight is, with a big walk, if I can do it. And then I never, I never, ever, 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 ever pre-board. I think that's like the cruelest mm-hmm. joke to humans ever is pre-boarding. <laughs> Especially if you Pre-boarding have is kids. not a privilege, people. It is not. It is a trap, Okay. It Especially if you have young kids, it's like, put yeah. your young kids on the plane 30 minutes before yeah. as, as an extension to you, as yeah. a grace to you. Yeah, they do it They do it for you, but don't buy into it. So I don't pre-board and I never sit at the airport. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's so many chairs and I'm either walking or stretching on the floor, but I never am sitting in one of those chairs because, oh, and I, I bring usually a, like a yoga tune-up ball or something mm-hmm. in my bag. Mm-hmm. Very similar, you and I. Well, what what about you? Well, I travel a lot, as most of you know. And you can see a lot of these travel tips. I put them on Instagram because I, I it's easy for me to snap a picture. I'm like, here's how I'm coping with it right now. But very <laughs> similar. You know, and we're often traveling with kids. So, I mean, we select our, I mean, and not everyone can, you know, a lot of times we're bound by, you know, finding the cheapest airfare, the cheapest airfare. Mm-hmm. But like, we will tend to, Go for, if it's possible, a, a flight time that allows us a hiking bout before or some movement in the morning. You know, like even things like we will wake up earlier just to go on a walk, like you said, or just to take a walk. Um, we will prioritize the day of travel. Like you would never find us do a doing a sedentary activity the entire day that we travel it's always and it's interesting because like you actually move a lot on a plane there's like that vibration all the time which oh yeah which we were just talking about it being soothing on one case it's i find it aggravating after five or seven hours and an, a, a really fast way to ground if it's possible is just a little bit of like a barefoot hike afterwards as well too like i find that that dissipates that kind of like you know you get off a ship and you're like rocking and rolling even right. though you're on solid ground like I find myself still feeling that I'm on a plane especially when I've been on one for a long period of time so um, lots of walking and outdoor activities as much as possible just to get like the fresh air sandwiched before and after flights if we go to the airport a lot of airports have playgrounds you just have to Google them. Like they have like one room. And so like we always go there. We never sit at an airport ever, ever, ever. Um, and if I'm there with extra time, I walk the entire time. Um, especially if I'm there by myself, like I'll just walk two miles. Yeah, like if I have, if I have like 45 minutes, you would see me walking for 43 minutes and then mm-hmm. running to sprint. Never pre-board. <laughs> yeah. Pre-boarding. That's just, uh, that's a, uh, that's a myth. Pre-boarding doesn't exist. It's just oh. pre-sitting. It's extra sitting. Pre, would anyone like to extra sit is the question. Yes. <laughs> if you have squirmy children, would you like them to extra sit for an extra 30 minutes? You're welcome oh, aboard. Yeah, welcome aboard. Oh, and raising yeah. hands. You taught me that. Yeah, putting your so arms on my up. last flight, I just Moving I was like on a chimpanzee. Flight. I just I know. Arms all well, the time. it's very funny when you sit on the plane and you're the only one with your arms over their head. Uh-huh. So like I often, I often get up. I'm often, you know, and I use my own seat and I'm always respectful of other people. I mean, I'm certainly not going to let a fear of other people feeling uncomfortable because I'm moving around, keep me from moving. But neither am I doing like a hamstring stretch on the back of their chair. Like, hey, do you mind if I just put my foot on your seat? Like, I'm not doing that. You know, walking trips to the bathroom, sometimes just getting out, standing in the aisle and doing calf raises, top of the foot stretch. My daughter handed me, she packed my four-year-old 
packed a yoga tune-up ball in her backpack. That's so when awesome. I was like, oh, man, my feet are aching. She goes, oh, and she just hands I got a yoga tune-up ball. I was like, great. So, you know, just stand up and roll it around. You can slip one under one butt cheek, right? It's yes. that same thing. Some movements are small. Traveling with a yoga tune-up ball is actually pretty great because you could just put it behind one shoulder and lean back into your own right. seat and do really small movements. And so if you if you approach it that way, you can really, you know, kind of stay moving the entire time. So, yeah. And it's easier well, to find it, easier to find than a mount ball because I used to bring those, but then I'd lose uh, them and they're real tiny. And then I'd have to go like, down the aisle. Yeah, I'd have to go like four to eight you know, rows up and say, have you seen a little blue ball? But that's my and movement. The, the yoga tune up's a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, I just crawl down the aisle, be like, you know, on my hands and knees. Like, I don't suggest doing, like, your move nat routine, like, down the center. Be like, I'm just going to, you know, you know, you're not doing anything big. It's not it's not invasive. But, you know, use your space. Like, we are definitely, we definitely look like we're in an exercise class when we're in the airport itself. Like, not only are we not moving, like, we're doing our stretches. We're doing our squats. Mm-hmm. We always, you know, if we're there for a long time and we're eating, we're always on the floor. Um, I've had other people say, I've seen your family at an airport, like, because it's, you stand out. If you go to an airport, you'll see that everyone is just like, they're just sitting. They are sitting in their chairs on their phones before they get on the plane on their phones. And it's just like, you know, sitting for, you know, five or I got to go to Europe. You know, it's going to be a lot of flying this summer. But the key is to look to where you don't have to sit and make sure that's the, that's the key for all of this. Like, how do I move more in my life is look to the areas that don't require you be still and start moving there before you start stressing about the parts where you can't move as easily. Yeah, exactly. All right. Hopefully that helped Emily. Okay. This is from Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. We see you too. I'm interested in this because I was just walking behind a little girl that was doing this in the store this morning. She writes, aside from negative heel or flat shoes, what can I do for my 10-year-old that toe walks? I tried to encourage her to do the calf stretch, and she had trouble keeping her balance. She never complains about tightness, but I can see it's hard for her to lower her heels. She currently wears standard tennis shoes that I believe squish her toes, especially the pinky, but she claims is okay. She has some sensory issues, so transitioning to a wider toe box shoe has been difficult because other things she seems not to like about the shoe. We walk just over a mile to school most days, yay, when the weather and attitudes permit. (laughs) However, (laughs) it's mostly concrete. Since discovering your methods, I asked her to walk off the sidewalk as much as she can. What a cool mom. She just says she really wants her daughter to be able to put her best foot forward. Oh, like all of us, like every parent. Well, it's interesting, again... I feel like I could just give up the podcast for Instagram because I cover a lot of this stuff on there regularly. So the thing that I just posted, I kid you not, half an hour before we hopped on was a section. I actually just took a picture of a sidebar, kids texture and toe walking from whole body barefoot. All right. So that's like this. This is like I have addressed so much within the actual books that I write. Like if you've only listened to the podcast, consider getting the books and there's audiobooks for many of them so if you're a listener like I don't like to read it doesn't matter like you can listen to me read the books to you which would be great except for my strange voice but this sidebar is about research that they were doing where they took toe walking children and they had them walk barefoot over different surfaces um, like gravel carpet and then the laboratory floor they have since this was in 2014 I just pulled up Man, it's probably still on my computer. They pulled up the research that they expanded upon this from 2016. It's currently linked in my Instagram bio, but it'll be gone by this time. So you can see the picture of it, though, so you can go look it up yourself. They found that when kids walked barefoot over texture, right? So now this is not in a shoe. This is not about a minimal shoe. I've also talked about vitamin texture the last couple of days because, again, this is National Foot Health Awareness Month. It's not enough to have a flexible sole. You have to have something that the foot can flex around, which means that flat level hard can can still mean movement deprivation for the joints within the foot. So when they put these barefoot kids on these textures, the heel height of the toe walkers decreased, like dropped down. So that's where they are Mm. beginning to form the hypothesis that exposing feet to texture could be 
a treatment for idiopathic toe walking. So I would say, given that, and would be like, you know, you're, you're, you've got the minimal shoes, which is great. I mean, you've got, you're walking to school with your kids. I mean, that's like, that's amazing. That's a hurdle yes, that a lot of people are awesome. still like, how can I do this? So that's, that's wonderful. The next thing would be to, if you wanted to start, it depends on what you, how you perceive simple. I would add inclines, like doing a calf stretch, like kids doing corrective exercises. I've written about it. You can read about it on my blog. I'm not sure if that's the best way to go, like medicalizing cultural immobility, right? Like the fact that we just have sedentary habits. I don't know if making it a medical issue, like, oh, now we need to do our therapy exercises is going to be helpful in the long run. Rather, I just see it as a fam, like family choices of like, you know what? We are all going to hike this hill, right? Your calf stretch, if you've read Move Your DNA, calf stretch is just adding hills, right? It's like (laughs) trying to infuse your flat level life with a little bit of hillage to kind of prepare those body parts. So going up hills would be a would be a more natural, non-therapeutic, non-medical medicine type treatment of like, this is just what's going to, like, your calves are going to be called to this task. And that's going to involve changing how they, changing their resting state, changing the tissue structure, changing mm-hmm. your malleable, like you're changing it. But then you could also like make a fun project like a, a texture mat, a, a pebble mat, you know, or create a, a space in your backyard where you can walk over rocks. So it, it could be that she just needs more foot mobility overall. And then that would be a way to 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 start getting it. But again, it's it's always best done not with like, hey, you know, you toe walker, go do this therapy or exercise is more like this is what we're all doing like i'm creating this fun thing like everyone has to walk over the the texture mat like to get dessert tonight you know like where it's just like a it's, <laughs> you're making it you're making it part of the culture of your right. family rather than rather than what you do because something's wrong with you mm. you know like i don't think there's anything wrong with you like like you being dehydrated in a movement drought is not like, oh, there's something wrong with you. You're dehydrated. Like, you understand the context. Like, it's just like, so I just, I'm just much more for that perspective over the last few years. So that's what I would offer. Texture, vitamin texture. Vitamin texture. Awesome. All right. Well, that's enough questions for now. You did a good job. Before we go, there are some changes happening. We are yes. always moving, trying our best to move a lot. And right now that means into different projects and adventures. You want to tell them what's going on? Yeah, I will. I will explain it to the best as we can right now. Cause we're, like we said, we're in sort of transition. As I mentioned before, I, I've been planning to, on taking a, so, a longer social media break for, for very specific reasons, which we'll talk about probably in our next show. But so I was going to put the podcast on hiatus for a while, but, but the, but I, I find it valuable and I find, I find audio to be a very, it's like a, I understand that everyone is in transition, not everyone, but many people listening to this are in transition, right? From like a sedentary culture to a moving culture. And we do need tools and we do need exercises and I, and that's my job and I enjoy doing that. So I'm really just looking for ways of doing that that not only nourish you all better also nourish me better like a more sustainable model so i wanted to keep the podcast and audio going but what i thought i would do so like you get a lot of the i mean you see more questions like you filter out a lot of questions and of the percentage of questions that you get how many would you say are directly answered by something in a book or oh gosh you know, something like of the ones that, I of the ones I don't of we all don't of them that do, you get, yeah. Well, probably ninety five percent. Yeah, um, so that's why we only I, answer five percent on mailbag. <laughs> yeah, so like that's that's a big deal. Like to realize that that there are so many people out there with questions, and also so many people out there who haven't taken advantage of any of the resources that I've already put my time and labor into. So. I want you to have the information that you want, 
but I also want you to use the resources that I've already spent lots of time creating. That's the most sustainable model for me to continue to do what I'm doing. So I thought that I would create for the rest of the year, like we're kind of like almost at the midpoint. I'm like, I'm such a leaper ahead. Like at the, like the three quarters of the movie, I'm like, well, that was a great movie. And my husband's like, yeah, the movie's still on. <laughs> and so like, I tend to like jump to the end of something, but I see really this second half of the year, maybe a little bit longer being me working with you through the book. So like that Katie says would really be almost like a book club format. You certainly don't have to read all the books. Like if you're just a listener and you're like, I'm not reading books, that's fine. You will still be able to gleam lots of information through it. But I'm going to systematically work through my books. And I'm having someone who has two things. One, she's a journalist. And two, she's not she's not in the same movement world as Danny and I are. When you're in the movement world, there's a lot of things that we take, I think, for granted yeah. that other people are like, but wait, like I have this question. It would never occur to us because we we're like movement professionals. So I thought I would bring someone in who is like as layman as you can, like a lay person who can, who can, whose, whose job it is to get to the bottom of ideas and, and have her basically drill me on different points in the books for your benefit, the listener. And you can read along, like it'll definitely be, we'll, we'll give you ahead of time, the order of the books, and which sections of the book each podcast would refer to. So it's kind of like going to be this extended, it's what I've always wanted, which is a dynamic book club, right? Where you get to, I mean, it's not an exchange, but you can certainly, you know, comment via uh, social media. Although if I'm on break, we'll have to give another way for you to, to comment in. But yeah, so I'm working, I'm working on that for a while. And then Danny and I will still be doing, you know, we'll still get together and do like our regular mailbag podcast, but it's what I want to do to set a platform. Cause I figure we will be able to go deeper into topics once everyone is kind of up to speed on the breadth of work that I've already put out there. So that's, I feel like that's the most it's the most efficient way for me to continue doing what I'm doing, right? It's just like oh. giving everyone the same baseline. So that's 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 the plan. So we will be um, dropping more information once we have any details. It's kind of it's like in it's a loose yeah formation. We're winging it. It's it's per it's, usual. It's being it's being wung. <laughs> and also, you have done a lot of interviews on other people's podcasts. So for you keen listeners, I am in the process of gathering all of those interviews and podcasts and organizing them that will be out shortly too. Woo. Yeah, you know what? I do probably 5 to 1 for every one podcast that you and I do. I've done five other podcasts. That's crazy, episodes. man. So it's, it's it's huge. And so chances are that there are like if you are a listener and you enjoy that format of learning, which I think is great. I've definitely Have you done like more audio? Like are you like switching to audio more podcasts more Audiobooks is that I'm I'm doing a lot of audiobooks with my Walk the Year project. I'm going through books like candy, man. It's tell awesome. me for just for like what would be your top three audiobook recommendations? I just I think it'd be so great to start recommending different. Audiobooks. Oh yeah, tell and me I, the last I am three. on my Instagram. For anybody that follows me on Instagram, I have really been enjoying it. Uh, the Alchemist. What's your Insta- What's your Instagram? So uh, what is my Instagram? Move your body better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so tell me, uh, Alchemist by uh, Paulo Coelho? Yes, Alchemist right. was phenomenal. Santiago. <laughs> Big Magic oh, by, by Elizabeth. Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh-huh, yeah. And currently reading or listening to The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. And What's that, that one, I it's about how the internet is ruining our brains. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and it is fascinating. Lots yeah. and lots and lots of stuff in there. I brain is good, too. Along those same lines. Oh, yeah, that's on my list. That's in my wish list. Yep. All right. Well, that's good. Okay. Okay. So a couple more things, just like housekeeping. I will be taking a break from social media. We will be doing a full episode on that. That being said, I'm working to still like put out information just in instead of like doing it five times a day in a way that requires a passionate relationship with my smartphone, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do it in a way that has a more I'm sitting down with my computer for three hours right now and just doing one 
one solid piece and put mm. that out via a newsletter so that not only am I not attached to my phone, that other people don't feel like they have to be in order to be in a relationship with this information. That's so cool. that's the change I'm making. So if you are not, if you haven't signed up for my newsletter, go to nutritiousmovement.com and it's like right on the front. You can sign up for it. We don't spam or do anything, but I will be telling you this until I take my break, which is if you want that kind of hunk of information, when I go on break, I will go back to how I used to work seven or eight years ago before social media, which was just writing kind of one meaty piece monthly rather mm-hmm. than feeling like I had to like drop 10 pieces of education every single day. So, so sign up for that. And then, oh, and then also Danny was talking about compiling stuff. We'll be disseminating it that way. So like we will have a, here's the podcast of the week that, and here's like the the bullet points of that. And it's on someone else's podcast, but at least you can scan it to go, I wanted to know about that. So we're trying to, I have, I've just created so much information, most of it unconsumed by people interested in consuming this information that we're just trying to streamline it to make it easier for you to find what you're looking for. So look for that and uh, or don't, yeah, go, go looking for it. Sounds like fun. Kind of looking forward to it. Change is fun. It is fun. It's, it's movement, you, right? It's movement. It's movement. Speaking of movement, what are you up to? What's the schedule like lately? I had to cancel Portland, but I've since rescheduled Portland. So when is this, when will this come out? This will come out on the 25th. Okay, so I'll be in Portland. I'm in Portland right now. Look at that. Woo-hoo! Time travel. Stop listening and go see Katie now. Right exactly. Now. I'll be at Barnes & Noble, and you can go find that on the appearances page of the Nutritious Movement website for details. So I'll be in Portland. And what month is this? This is uh, April. April. Yeah. So April, I go to Austin, Texas in May. I'll be speaking at Paleo FX and probably one other signing. So details on that. And that's eee, like the 20... The 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd, around is there. Your, is that on it's, your appearances yeah, thing? It, everything okay. is listed on there. And then I will be speaking at the Ancestral Health Symposium in Seattle this year, close for me. Oh. And that's in September. Cool. And then, as I mentioned before, I will be at the Ancestral Health Symposium New Zealand in October. Awesome. So talk about long flight. Yeah. I will not oh. be pre-boarding for that at all. No, but it's going to be totally worth it. Yes, it'll be worth it. So that's it. All right. That's well, perhaps. thanks everybody for listening. For more information, books, online exercise classes, and to sign up for the newsletter, you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. You can find more from me, Danny Hemmett, at moveyourbodybetter.com. Bye. Thanks. you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.